Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. For those of you who listened last week, you know we were speaking about the movie There Will Be Blood and the concept of externalizing the internal in the way that we write on a practical, artistic, and on a commercial level. Well, today we're going to have a special episode of the podcast in which I've invited Jessica Hines, who teaches our craft classes here at the studio, to speak a bit about some practical things you can do right now to externalize the internal in your writing and reap those benefits in your own career. Thank you, Jacob Kruger, for your fabulous inspirational macro introduction last week that allows me to go into a little bit more detail, uh, get micro, get really specific. So the idea of externalizing the internal is great, but what the heck happens when we actually sit down to work on a scene and we write something like, John is sad. It's easy to fall into the trap of writing a character's emotion rather than their action, because emotion is so vital to the understanding of a character's journey. Um, we have to know what a character is feeling, and the audience has to be able to see that. So sometimes we do get trapped into things like writing the emotion of the character. So instead of writing things like her eyes go wide and facial expressions and emotions, we want to find the actions that the character takes that reveals those emotions. And what do I mean by action? So action is defined a little bit differently for screenwriting, or at least I define it differently because I find that this is the most helpful way to think about action in your screenplay. So action really is the movement that your character or your actor takes when they are pursuing a want. Um, it has an intention behind it. Now, there are a few different approaches that I attack in my craft intensive that helps us to be able to reveal the internal states of these characters and these internal emotions in a really, really simple way. For today, I've taken four or five things that I find works really well for myself and for most of my writers. Again, these are internal things that you run into on a daily basis when you're working on your script. I'm going to give you guys just a few examples so that you can really feel it, you can see it, and you'll be able to hear it. So yes, Jake mentioned a lot of stuff earlier about externalizing the internal. And so I have some really great examples that we're going to go over right now that are sort of getting into the nitty gritty detail very specifically when you have a character who has something going on inside with an emotion that we normally do as a facial expression. This example here we have, he gets worried, right? That's, that's not an action, it's not something we want to see. The other thing that people have a tendency to write is either she is sad or his eyes go wide, right? So emotions and facial expressions are two things that will absolutely kill your screenplay. They just, I mean, every once in a while if you have to use them, that's okay, but when I'm reading a script and I just see he is sad, she is happy, first of all, I don't know what that looks like. And second of all, it's just really boring. And third of all, your actor that you have playing that is gonna be doing a really bad job because they're gonna start emoting. And if you have ever seen an actor just play sad, they look like a sad clown painting. They're just like, mm. So what do you do when you write something and you say, oh, I've written Hank is sad, I've written John is worried, or I've written his eyes go wide. Like, what do you do in that situation to make sure that you're actually externalizing those internal things so that an audience can actually see them on the screen? The first example that I would love to go over is one of the most frustrating, I find, when I'm reading scripts, is facial expressions. 
right? So turning facial expressions and emotions into action, I'm going to give you guys a few examples here. The bad example is exterior Dollywood Jumbotron tech area sunset. Lee struts away. She laughs. Bubba looks brokenhearted, right? Bubba looks brokenhearted. That's boring. So we're going to make that better, and we're going to use a wonderful tool called follow the want. Uh, great. So if we follow the want of Bubba, right, we are going to find an externalization of this internal emotion, and it's going to make the scene much better. And here we have exterior Dollywood Jumbotron tech area sunset. Lee struts away. She laughs. Bubba takes a deep breath, runs after her. He falls in, onto his knees before her. He clutches her skirt. Please. So this is much, much stronger. What does he want? He wants her to stay, right? We take actions when we have wants. If we don't have a want, we don't take action, right? If you're just sitting around and you have no want, no need, you're not going to move. There's no need for you to move, right? So if you see your character and you know that he's feeling something, and then allow them to take action based off of that want, and suddenly your audience will go, oh, OK, he's heartbroken. That is just that wonderful little equation, which is 1 plus 1 equals, right? And you let the audience say 2. Right? I give you Lee struts away, I give you Bubba bags, and you let the audience do the math and say, oh, he's heartbroken, right? And you do one plus one equals. And then we know the emotional state. So let me explain. You don't need to give your audience information. You don't need to tell them everything. You don't need to explain everything to them. You need to give them an opportunity to get actively involved in your storytelling and to put together the pieces for themselves. This is how you do a little bit of subtext. It's the exact same concept, except using dialogue to allow the audience to put together what is really being said, what's really happening, rather than spoon feeding them the emotions on the surface. So the equation you want to remember is one plus one equals and allow your audience to say two on their own because then they're an active part of your storytelling. When someone is an active part of your storytelling, how much more are they gonna pay attention? How much more are they gonna participate and watch? How much more are they gonna be emotionally involved? A lot. Uh, another example is in this Dollywood Jumbotron tech area is that when Lee walks away, Bubba pulls out his cell phone, he plugs it into the Jumbotron hard drive, he pulls something up on his phone, he goes to press the button, hesitates, he looks back at Lee, she skips into the arms of football player. Bubba presses the button, a naked selfie of Lee appears on the 20-foot Jumbotron screen, the crowd stops and stares, Lee shrieks. Alright, so what does he want here? He wants revenge, right? He wants justice, which is great because we know now, what's the also the little thing that he does in there that lets us know that he's actually heartbroken? He hesitates, right? Because here's the thing, do you ever go and try to get revenge on someone that you're not heartbroken about? Not often, right? But the hesitation also allows us to feel like he's not a total jerk and it helps us to feel like, oh, he really loves her because he's giving her that chance, but she's not and so she, he's allowing himself to then get revenge. Right? But also, we never have to say he's heartbroken. We understand that he's heartbroken. We understand that he's hurt. All we're actually seeing are these characters take action. And as long as there are wants driving those actions, you don't really have to worry about the audience understanding the inner emotions of the character because we see it. What else do we have for externalizing internal conflict? All right, externalizing inner motivations and intentions. Anyone have this when they're writing where you're like, oh, how do I, how do I let the audience know what they actually are intending. Or you're like, she walks to open the door. But I can't really see that intention, right? So we can't write the intention, so we have to come up with ways to externalize this internal thing. So I'm going to give you a really bad example first. 
Interior, restaurant, Jenny sits at the table. She places her jacket on the back of the chair across from her to make it look like she is with someone so that she doesn't get hit on. People write this. The intention is that she's trying to make it look like she's eating with someone so she doesn't get hit on. But how do we know that? What does that actually look like? Right? How do you write that in a way where we understand that just from seeing things visually on the screen? So this is the way that I fixed this problem. Interior restaurant. Delicate hands wrap around the handle of a sharp knife. The knife cuts into a thick steak. Jenny shovels a fork full of steak into her mouth. She looks across the table at the creamed spinach in front of the empty chair. A black jacket hangs around the back of the seat. Across the room, leering man winks. He slicks back his greasy hair. Jenny looks at the empty chair. She looks back at the man, smiles politely. Leering man turns away. Jenny takes a breath, smiles. So granted, this is a bit longer. It will take you a little bit longer. But everything is an action, right? And here's the thing. It's a really strong want. Again, we're going back to want. It's actually the want of the leering man, right? It's by putting an obstacle in her way. Because the first time, there was no one hitting on her. It's all intention. So if you find yourself in intention land, you got to get that conflict in there. And suddenly, when the character has something that they have to overcome, the intentions become much more clear. So finding a great antagonist and throwing it in their way of someone who wants the exact opposite of what your main character wants, suddenly the intentions of your character will become really, really clear, again, in their actions. And you don't ever have to write what they're internally thinking about, what they're intending, any of that stuff. So yes, the next time you find yourself being like, how do I do that? Be like, what does she want? And let me put someone in her way who wants the opposite. Or him. Great. Here's another bad example. Hank stares at the doors. He cannot decide which door to choose. I'm sure we've all written this before in a script, right? We're like, my character has to decide something. But deciding is really boring because it happens in your mind, right? So when I decide what I'm going to have for dinner, it looks like this. I'm literally just sitting, staring at the wall, because that's what we look like when we make decisions. So if you have to dramatize your character making a decision, well, let me give you the example first. Interior hallway, Hank stares at the blue door. He steps up, places his hand on the handle. He pulls his hand back. He looks to his right. He crosses to the red door. He stares down at the handle. His hand begins to shake. He looks to the red door. So what are we doing here? We're totally externalizing the internal conflict. But how did I decide to do this? This is a really cool trick. When we think about breaking your character up into the two different parts of themselves that want conflicting things, and actually treating it as if it were two different characters. So the part of Hank, right? So there's Hank who wants to go through the blue door, and there's Hank who wants to go through the red door. And you write the scene as if you're writing two different characters who have opposing wants, and you just allow the character to take a few actions based off of that want before you allow the other character, the other side of them, to step forward and take a few uh, actions towards their want. And in this way, you're externalizing through physical action the internal uh, debate that's happening within the character. Fabulous. Let's move on to the next example that we have, which is a symbolic way of externalizing what's going on inside for a character. This is one of my favorites. It's a little bit more indie. And it can get really corny really, really quick, so use it sparingly. But this is the symbolic way to externalize internal emotion. 
Exterior Dollywood sunset. Lee struts away, she laughs. The wind blows a leaf onto Bubba's boot. Bubba picks up the leaf. It's shaped like a heart. He crushes the leaf in his hand. Pieces of crushed leaf fall to the ground. So anyone watching this is going to be like, oh, he's heartbroken, right? And you never have to say he's heartbroken because you know the leaf's shaped like a heart. It's a total symbol. And like I said, if you use this constantly, it might be a little nauseating. But sparingly, it works really well. Most of the time, I suggest just follow the wand, figure out what that character wants, let them take action on it. And you don't have to worry about telling us anything that's going on inside the character. We will know. So just to recap a little bit about what we've talked about, there's two main ways that I find to externalize internal emotions and to keep yourself from writing facial expressions constantly. And that is to A, follow the want, follow the want, follow the want, make sure you know what that character wants and then allow them to go after it because we only take action when we want something and we only want something because there is an emotion that's going on inside us. So after you follow the want, your other option is you can do it symbolically. I hope you feel like you now have a couple of awesome new tools for when you write things, how to externalize internal wants for your character, how to externalize uh, emotions and intentions. Fabulous, fabulous. Thank you so much, Jess, for being a guest on the podcast uh, and all that wonderful practical advice. If you would like to study with Jess, if you want to take these concepts to the next level, I invite you to, you to join our upcoming craft intensive. It's available in New York City and online. And if you felt like these practical skills were helpful, wait until you learn everything that Jess has to share with you in that full weekend long intensive. You will learn how to write amazing action, how to write dialogue that jumps off the page, how to build those technical muscles that you need to really show off your talent and allow your script to stand out in this competitive industry. If you'd like to learn more about the craft intensive, you can visit our website, www.writeyourscreenplay.com craft. Or for information on any of our other screenwriting classes, our one-on-one -on -one mentorship program, uh, our international retreats, and our classes in New York City and online, you can visit our website, www.writeyourscreenplay.com.